everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Black Case Diaries podcast. My name is Robin. I am here with Marcy and Adam. Yay! Hello. You guys did it. You remembered your names. We got it. <laughs> oh man, halfway there. How many there, episodes? Then. How many episodes are we in? And we finally got uh, it. Seventy-three, <laughs> I think, yeah. something like that. Something like that. Something. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. So today we are continuing our series on animation. Hooray. Yay. Yeah. We have so far covered the history of animation, the Disney Exodus, and uh, Pixar. Today we're switching gears and we're taking a look at a different type of animation. Yes. Yeah, a very, very cool one. Yeah. So we're going to talk about stop motion animation. And when we are talking about stop motion animation, I'm reminded of this scene from the TV show Parks and Rec. Have you guys ever seen it? Yes. Yes. Adam, seen, have you seen? Seen bits and pieces of it. Yeah. You've seen bits and pieces of it. Okay. <laughs> so in this scene, Ben Wyatt, a character in the show, attempts to make a claymation video. He has been working on the project for weeks, meticulously moving his clay subject and capturing stills with his camera. He's been laid off from work. He doesn't have much to do. And he's going a little crazy trying to make this claymation video. It isn't until he shows the video to his friend Chris that he realizes the heartbreaking truth. The project he's been working on for weeks has only yielded a 10-second video. Yeah, oh gosh. I recommend it. It's in season four, episode 11. This episode is called The Comeback Kid. So I chose this example because I think this is probably one of the best ways to illustrate <laughs> how much work and attention to detail goes into stop motion. You know, Painstakingly. Yes. He looks like he's going to cry when he realizes. Oh. <laughs> that he says, I spent weeks doing this. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, all animation takes forever, but this in particular is just... Right. Oh. Exactly. It's moments like this that teach us that stop motion isn't just a technique. It's an art. We all know that animation takes patience, but none so much as stop motion animation. Animators spend years meticulously creating hand-built sets and characters, moving their pieces millimeters at a time for at least 24 frames every second, so the audience can watch it all come to life. Ta-da! Wow. Mm-hmm. Today we are taking a look at one of the most beautiful and painstaking animation techniques and how it's been winning the hearts of audiences one frame at a time. That's right. Got some great stuff. <laughs> I really like stop motion. I've, I've tried it in the past, and it is really, really hard. I would get um, impatient and just skip frames when I was getting towards the end of what oh. I wanted to do. Mm. And then, so everything at the end happened really quickly. And it, just, it was very choppy. And... Yeah. Oh. But, yeah. <laughs> but it was fun anyway. Um, and I just love the way it looks. It's got such a unique style to it, um, especially a lot of the newer stop motion yeah. stuff where it's so smooth. It's like, how the heck did you do that? You know? So. What is stop motion animation? Stop motion is an animation technique that has been around as long as drawn animation, if not longer. It consists of an animator moving a physical object and taking photos of each new position. When the images are played in sequence, it appears that the subject is moving. Woo. 
Witchcraft. (laughs) In an article by Focus Features, producer Travis Knight was quoted, It's a process that dates back to the dawn of cinema, with a charm and a warmth and a beauty that other forms of animation, wonderful as they are, do not have. And because you effectively get one opportunity to get it right, every shot is a high-wire act. Generations of aspiring animators have, and continue to, experiment in their parents' basements or garages. It is a magical moment for you when something is brought to life. (laughs) I mean, that's what I did. (laughs) (laughs) I was in my parents' basement, and I gave it my best shot. Directors create stop motion with clay, puppets, dolls, or any physical object that they can manipulate, captured by a still or movie camera. Very nice. I... I I actually when I when I did it I was just taking pictures. I didn't know that they used like movie cameras in it as well. Right. That's pretty crazy. Yes. Yeah. I guess I guess taking a short like a 3 second video I I don't I don't know, but that's pretty pretty interesting to think they'd still want to use one of those cameras. And that's yeah. something that we learned today also. We didn't realize that <laughs> they did. used... We did. It confused me a lot. Yeah. Because <laughs> a, a lot of these talked about movie cameras. And I'm like, why <laughs> would you be talking about movie cameras? Right. Shouldn't you be talking about still cameras? Mm-hmm. How does that make sense? And then I came across <laughs> like, oh, they would stop and start the, the film. And I'm like... Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. I get it now. So, right. so is it more of like a save on editing kind of thing? Maybe something like that. It was yeah. just another way to do it, yeah. I guess. Huh. Or maybe if they have more than one frame to, to work with. Yeah. Just like regular filmmaking, it's a marriage of different art forms to create new and interesting products. Stop motion is more involved than drawn animation and takes more time. And of course, it takes even more time than computer generated animation. Of course it does, right? Yes. <laughs> but I still want to I still want to like confirm and let everybody know that commu- computer animation still also takes a lot of time mm-hmm. oh, and yeah. patience. It yeah. is by no means <laughs> you know, the, it <laughs> the, the nice thing about computer animation as far as the technology goes is it's it helps the the software can help you in certain aspects, right? Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. the characters don't need to be moved quite as much. Some animations can be rigged, and then they become easier to manipulate. Things like that. Whereas working with a puppet, you know, it's obviously in physical space. You have to do it yourself. And mm-hmm. I can imagine having to step in the frame, move it, and then step out of frame is just like the most <laughs> annoying, like back and forth right. ever. <laughs> Nothing Imagine, like that on a computer. And you're doing that also with things like clay, where you can get fingerprints on oh, it. Oh, yeah, and that's true. You can just push yeah. something, to push it a little bit too hard, and it doesn't look <laughs> right. And That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Before we talk about the history of stop motion, which we are going to talk about today, surprise, <gasps> and its evolution, let's talk about photography and the roles it plays in the process. So, of course, photography is very important to this art form. So, one of the big names that we've talked about before, so you might remember his name, good old Edward Moybridge. Yeah. Um, it's our boy bridge. It's our boy, yes. <laughs> Edward Moybridge is my boy bridge. <laughs> hey now. That's pretty great. 
In June of 1878, he had his horse experiment where he demonstrated that one is able to show movement through a series of photographs taken in quick succession. Yeah. So at that time, he didn't have a way to like loop it together or something. He had to just see the stills of it. But thinking about it now, if you, if you were, you know, when we loop it, it shows that movement. Right. So it was a it was a very early version basically of stop motion. Next we have Louis Le Prince. He's now considered the father of cinema because he was the first to patent a design for a motion picture camera in 1888. This however was shortly before mysteriously disappearing from a train never to be seen again. So what? He, he oh, didn't yeah. really get the fruits of his labor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? So, That's crazy. So this is probably one of the most interesting things ever, and they could totally make a movie yes. up about the guy. Absolutely. That is the father of cinema, but... They haven't. They haven't. Because I, I mean, maybe they will. Yeah, they, maybe they will. He's kind of been overshadowed by like Thomas Edison and the Lumiere brothers, who have often been named as the fathers of cinema. And it's really because this guy didn't really get to shine. Because He's he kind of disappeared. disappeared. Oh my gosh! I can't so, believe that. That's crazy. Yeah. Old times are so crazy. Uh, yeah. You could just disappear. <laughs> you it just find happened. A, yeah. So many interesting things. I, I know you could disappear now, but it was just so much easier to for that to happen back yeah, then. Yeah. Yeah. And it was yeah. it was much, much more difficult to be found. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh man. <laughs> no thank you. <laughs> so then we have Fris Green, who was the inventor of the chronophotographic camera which took 10 images a second using a celluloid film. And then we have William Kennedy Laurie Dixon, who he actually worked under Thomas Edison and would create the kinetographic camera, which was more dependable than the past motion cameras. Finally, we have Charles Moisson, who was working as the chief mechanic under the Lumiere brothers, and in 1894 invented the cinematographe camera, which doubled as a projector. Oh, <laughs> Cine- how fancy. I was going to say, it's like fun to think that he was working for the Lumiere brothers and then have to read it in that accent it's like i don't know it's, it's just fun it's it could be cine yeah. just matograph i like i like our pronunciation art once it's out you know yeah. it can be <laughs> taken anyway that's true so, that's you know true. what i feel like a word can too <laughs> So all of these early motion picture cameras were important to developing ways to film not only people, but also objects. So George Millais, whom we've discussed in past episodes as well, is responsible for the famous short A Trip to the Moon in 1902. Mm -hmm. And in an article by Jonathan Crow, he states that through his experiments, Millais discovered that magic happened when he turned the camera off and on. People suddenly disappeared into thin air. Objects appeared out of nowhere. A famed magician, Malays knew he was on to something. 
His discovery planted the seeds for just about every cinematic technique in the book, including animation. Could you imagine, like, just trying it for the first time? Or maybe it was an accident. Like, oh, shoot, I turned the camera off by mistake. And then it's like, okay, we'll just turn it back on. And then everything's gone. Yeah, everything's (laughs) in a different place. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. All right, so next, the cameras we just discussed were all film, and so naturally, through all these years, stop motion was created using film cameras. The quality in film is fantastic, but for stop motion, there's one major drawback. In film, you cannot see the product until you have developed and printed it. Printed it. This, along with lighting, timing, etc., could all go wrong. In the new digital age, it is faster to see if something went wrong within the take. I cannot. <laughs> that. I, I just. Because even stuff will go bad at the lab. Yeah. You know, yeah. You're, 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 you'll go exactly. to the lab and get it developed and it'll come back and it'll not look right. And you so, just have to do it again. So, <laughs> somebody barges into yeah. that dark room. It's like, hey, is that done yet? Right. Oh, God. Yeah, And it's like, you know, maybe you had to smash a figurine in your last take, and now you're like, cool, now I have to rebuild it. Like, great. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, imagine you would just spend hours and hours in order for a few minutes of stop motion film. And in the midst of capturing it, somebody, like, accidentally even just bumps the table. Like, the entire film sequence is ruined. And then Ugh. you have to use, you even have to use new film, so it was yeah, an expensive exactly. thing too, right? So you know, we, going back to Ben Wyatt, yeah, at least he got to do it during the digital time, <laughs> and true. he was able to use digital camera. <laughs> All oh he goodness. had to do was wipe it or like continue <laughs> yeah. with with his SD card or whatever at the exactly. time. <laughs> so in 1975, Eastman Kodak created the first crude digital camera. It was the beginning of a new age for photography and new possibilities for the art to come. So in 2005, The Corpse Bride was the first stop-motion feature film that had been filmed with a digital camera. It was shot on the Canon EOS 1D Mark II with an adapter to use Nikon lenses on it. Of course. Wow. Really? Yeah. <laughs> really? That's, I'm I'm surprised that it took till 2005. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it pretty is crazy. Kind of surprising. I guess okay. it's just they didn't trust stuff until <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Until then. That's you know, too, yeah. Too set yeah. in the ways. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, with digital, it's easier for things to well, I wouldn't say easier, but I guess it's possible for things to disappear within thin air with digital. That's true. Mm. That's true. You know, you accidentally hit delete or, you yeah. know, some, some, some malfunction in your right. SD card and then, you know, you've lost all your stuff. <laughs> right, With yes. film, you have to accidentally expose it to light or something mm-hmm. or, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Switching to digital doesn't necessarily fix all the problems. I mean, it fixes some of the problems with film but then it also yeah. creates its own problems mm-hmm. like everything in the world exactly. <laughs> yeah things things All just change are over to a different hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so next we have this we're going to talk about the stop motion process so obviously we talked before a little bit about the different techniques One of them is object animation. An example of this would be taking a simple child's toy car and moving it frame by frame. 
We also have clay animation, where the characters are able to be bended and are more flexible. There's puppet animation, and this is where you have more complex characters that have more moving parts, like arms, legs, eyes, etc. And then we have cutout animation, where there are flat characters, props, and backgrounds. They're typically made from cutout paper, stiff fabric, or even photographs. And finally, you can use compositing, where you, this is the act of combining stop motion with a live action movie. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. You can think of, as you were reading those, I was like thinking of movies that were using these. They use these things. pretty yeah. cool, yeah. Can, what's one, can you think of one that uses cut out animation? Um, the first one that comes to mind is like South Park. Technically yeah. not a movie, but oh, so- yeah. South Park they're is just, the first one I think of. There's a South Park movie. Oh, that's true. That's true. But I mean, people know yeah. it for the show, I guess. Mm. But yeah, that's that's one that I think of. Yeah. I have a feeling that like some of the splash between episodes on Nickelodeon or something might have yeah. used it. You know, oh, some of the Nick, 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 Nick probably a used lot some of their of bumper stuff. stuff. Yeah. Used it. yeah, yeah, they use that in claymation a lot. Yeah, mm. and clay. Yeah, yeah. All right. So the typical tools that most of these animators need. The one, one very important one that you are going to need is a tripod. (laughs) Keeping the camera steady is one of the most important aspects to stop motion. It's like, it's like almost as important as the actual thing you're taking pictures of. (laughs) Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. You also probably want one of those remote shutters things you yeah know? yeah so instead of having shake the, the camera while you're yeah the button. yeah that yep. that is also a very very good tool if you can make that happen mm-hmm. but on this same note a nice sturdy table is needed as well <laughs> preferably one that would not move if bumped mm-hmm. it's it's funny to think that the two like really important things about it in, a, in an animation technique or like don't move <laughs> we're working Steady. in animation here but we don't want these to move at all yeah <laughs> yes next we have consistent lighting because stop motion takes time while you're moving the characters or objects it's easier to keep the time within your video consistent if you can control the lighting it's highly suggested you work inside with your own lights instead of, say, the sun. Yeah. <laughs> because obviously the sun is going to move. Right. It's going to change. Oh, man. Yeah, you get it. Mm-hmm. E- easy peasy. Another useful tool is a surface gauge. A surface gauge helps determine how much an object or character has been moved or how much it needs to move. So it basically helps you measure movements that you can make smooth transitions between each photo, creating a smoother animation output. Yeah. So you can gauge, okay, I want to move this character, you know, a fourth of an inch. And so, yeah, each time you just, yeah. yeah. And you pick one reference point on the object or on the character, and you use that point each time. So, yeah, that's cool. that's awesome and would have been incredibly helpful. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's probably a lot more fun to do this if you have the right tools. Yes. yes. Yeah. Maybe, oh maybe maybe you should try it again, Adam. Give it another uh, let's chance. Make one. Let's make one as the BCD. We'll we do should. It. Yeah. You know if what? anybody's if anybody's willing to to spare a surface gauge, then I'll uh, 
I'll give it a <laughs> shot. You know, we could probably make our own. That's true. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Another useful item is some rigging systems. These would be used to hold your characters up when you want to make them, for example, jump or fly or things like that. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. And then smaller pieces are moved with meticulous tools like tweezers and pliers. Yeah. I imagine moving like hair in the wind or eyelashes Mm -hmm. when they blink, something like that. Mm -hmm. Oof. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that's pretty much the whole, like, the technique. Mm -hmm. It's a light light surface of the technique, really. A lot more goes into this. Than you know, than just that, but that is a great starting point. Right. Are- That's there's probably some like tricks to the trade that people who are in the industry. Oh yeah. Have oh, developed. Yeah. Oh yeah. But- These yeah, are like definitely. the beginner. Yeah. Kind of this, is, this is for the people in their basement. <laughs> like me. <Yeah. laughs> All right. So we're gonna go a little bit over the history of stop motion animation. We've already talked about the history of animation in general, but stop motion animation kind of has its own history, basically parallel with 2D animation. There are fewer commercially successful stop motion films than hand-drawn and computer-generated animated films, but stop motion has been around since the dawn of film animation. The first stop motion animated film is believed to be The Humpty Dumpty Circus in 1898 by J. Stuart Blackton and Albert E. Smith. If you recognize these names, we talked about them a couple episodes ago. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. those ring some some stop motion bells. That's right. <laughs> Flashback to our episode on the history of animation. When was the first hand-drawn animated short produced? Do you guys flashback? Uh, Do you guys know? Oh Do you guys boy. remember? Do you remember what it was? <laughs> it, it was. It was face. Was it the, the funny face faces? The faces. Yeah. Yes, that's right. See, you guys remembered <laughs> the humorous faces of fun, funny faces in 1906. Right. That was eight years after this. After this was believed to be so. If you go by this as the original, as the first one, it's mm-hmm. a little bit actually older than traditional animation. Aha, uh-huh, gotcha. Even though we called the other one traditional, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, in his book, Enchanted Drawings, Charles Solomon finds Smith and Blackton's claim to have created the first stop-motion animated film hard to believe. So, Charles Solomon has pointed out, he's, you know, he's a film <laughs> critic and, you know, f- historian, and he's pointed out that it's very possible that this is actually, this wasn't an anim- like a stop-motion animated movie. And then everyone's just kind of taking their word for it. it. Yeah. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. Smith apparently claimed that they didn't patent the process after making the film because Blackton felt, quote, it wasn't important enough. Oh, boy. All these these guys back then wanting to patent (laughs) stuff. Come on. (laughs) Solomon is quick to point out that Blackton would patent every other process that they created. And no one can definitively prove that Humpty Dumpty was pure stop motion since no piece of it exists. Oh, bummer. Yeah. So so what he's saying, what Charles Solomon was saying was basically J. Stuart Blackton patented every process that he learned how to do at the time. Why would he come up with stop motion and then say, nah, yeah. we're not going to patent that Skip one. This one. <laughs> yeah, that, wow. so, so, I don't yeah. like to this him, one. 
Yeah, so to him, it was this is a little suspicious. That yeah. I'm not really sure. Yeah. So, so, but it is widely considered across the board the first stop motion animated mm-hmm. short is Humpty Dumpty's Circus, even though there's no. Oh, no, not, none of it remains. Yeah. I believe That's even the pictures that they show for it are just pictures of toys that were yes. from that time. Oh. Yes. Yeah. You'll see still, you'll see a still of it sometimes when you look mm-hmm. it up. And it's actually just a promotional photo of this circus set. Yeah. Huh. That was popular at the time. Yeah. There's <laughs> yeah. not even a, a verified still left of this oh, film. Oh, man. That sucks. Yeah. Stop um, losing animation, guys. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Gosh dang it. What's come happening? on. Seriously. How um, many times do we have to talk about the loss? <laughs> <laughs> Two years after the Humpty Dumpty debacle, Blackton teamed up with Thomas Edison to create the Enchanted Drawing, which used stop-motion animation alongside live-action filmmaking. This would be how stop motion would largely be used in the coming years as a way to achieve special effects and alongside live action instead of in place of it. So wow. for a long time, there won't be a whole, there will be a few, but there won't be a whole lot of movies that are just stop motion. Most of them are going to be live action movies with some stop motion elements. God. I see. That's hmm. kind of, that was the style for a long time. Blackton was interested in the possibilities of frame-by-frame filmmaking, but he focused on other projects at the Vitagraph studio, which led to other innovations in animation. Hmm. For years to come, stop-motion animation will be used as an effect in films, such as A Trip to the Moon in 1902 and 1905's El Hotel Electrico, in which magical carpet bags zoomed around the hotel on their own. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, it's a cute, it's a cute little thing. I watched it. Well, maybe we'll link to it, and you can watch it too. But yeah. it's Aww. it's very cute. See the bags just zooming around the the hotel. Nice. Another pioneer worth mentioning is Vladislav Stervitz. That's my very American way of pronouncing his name. <laughs> Sterowitz was a Polish photographer and entomologist who made completely stop-motion animated films about the lives of bugs. Uh-huh. These films demonstrated a new level of mastery that none had before. He used wire, wax, and dead bugs to create comedies and dramas. In 1912, he produced The Cameraman's Revenge, a film about a married <laughs> couple of beetles having extramarital affairs. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. He used common film tropes found in comedies at the time to create a hilarious piece of stop-motion art. Do you think... It's um, very funny. Wow. Do you you think Pixar would have done that? (laughs) I know, it's very grown up. Yeah, I was was thinking that. I was like, the only thing I could think of is like, yeah, Pixar's Bugs Life. Other than that, I never pictured using bugs and stuff. Dead bugs. Yeah. For comedy? (laughs) It's, it's, It's really funny because you're watching something that could totally have been written for human actors. Yeah. But you're watching it oh, totally right. acted out with bugs and it's it adds a whole level of hilarity yeah. hilarity to it. And he used the tropes that were you you know, so in, in comedies at the time, you would look through people would look through door the the keyholes yeah. on doors. Oh yeah. And and you know bugs <laughs> the bugs are looking through keyholes at each other and <laughs> Having slapstick fights with each other, oh you know. Yeah. Did they have separate beds and everything? <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't know about that. Oh my gosh. Yes. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah. He also created detailed miniature sets. And the anthropomorphic movement of the insects really brought a special life to his films, just as the characteristic movements of Gertie the dinosaur set her apart from early animation. People felt like his bugs really acted like people. Huh. Like humans. <laughs> it was it was like you were watching that's great. bugs act out human stories. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. Sterowitz's works inspired many generations of filmmakers, including Wes Anderson and Tim Burton. Ooh, nice. Yes. He even, yeah, he did a film about a fox. Oh. And Wes Anderson oh. said that it inspired him to, to make, because the Fantastic Mr. Fox is a book, obviously, but he it inspired him to make the movie stop motion mm. instead of just making oh. a regular. Yeah. That's making great. it just a regular movie. Wow. Yeah. Dang. So, and also with Tim Burton, you know, is a declared fan of his stuff today, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very weird, offbeat kind of things. Yep. Something yeah. Tim Burton would really T- like. Tim Burton definitely has creatures that mm-hmm. look very bug-like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some beetle-like characters. Yeah, some beetle-like mm-hmm. characters. <laughs> I don't know who you mean. <laughs> <laughs> So as we're talking about stop motion and pioneers in stop motion, we have to talk about Willis O'Brien. By the 1920s, stop motion was a reliable film technique, especially in short films. But in 1925, the the first full-length film to make heavy use of the process was released. It was called The Lost World. We actually talked about this movie in our (laughs) dinosaur episode. We sure did. Animation has really... We keep going back to dinosaurs. We, we do. I mean... You know? <laughs> they're just so cool, guys. <laughs> right. I love it that when... As we we, we created the ability to, to animate mm-hmm. in film, and the first things that we made were dinosaurs. <laughs> Isn't that... Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. I first... mean, we just begin at the beginning. It was number one on everybody's list. They said, well, right. let's make dinosaurs happen. <laughs> I, I imagine that if, you know, the skeletons were kind of capturing the minds and imagination of people, they want to see what they look like moving, right? Right. Most of the time, mm-hmm. it'd be like, whoa, that thing's amazing. I wonder what it was like. So <laughs> people people in animation would think, well, I can give it a shot, you know? Right. Yeah. Animator Willis O'Brien brought stop-motion creatures to life in a way that the world had not seen before. Although audiences had seen dinosaurs and other such creatures in 2D animation, this stop motion allowed audiences to envision the subjects in the 3D world that they themselves inhabited. In other words, this looked real. Yeah. It was, you know, you go in there and you sat down, and for the first time, you feel like you're watching a tangible creature on the screen because you're seeing it in this third dimension. Mm Mm-hmm. You see how it was actually there, and people could reach out and touch it. Right. And yeah. you know this—it's it, really bringing things to life even more. Mm-hmm. O'Brien had been animating with clay for a while before the Lost World, but started to add more complex rubber faces to his models. Because this was relatively new territory, O'Brien had to create new techniques for this kind of animation. These techniques would be perfected for his next big project, King Kong. 
Oh, so, man. Yeah, so for a while, O'Brien was actually doing shorts for Edison. Oh. And he did lots of prehistoric stuff. And that was kind of how he got into the Lost World territory. People were so blown away by the Lost World that the studio didn't tell other people. Oh. That, like, how he did it. Oh, really? Yeah, they kept it a secret. Trying to keep people, their secrets. Yeah, people were like, how did you do it? Like, how, you know, and, and they didn't tell him. <laughs> That's pretty great. Yeah. yeah, and so then he got to work on King Kong, and he had the chance to do it again. Mm-hmm. And on an even on an even bigger scale this time. Oh, yeah. O'Brien took a year to create the models for King Kong, spending days at the zoo studying the movements of the gorillas. He would also go to fights, like uh, wrestling matches. Wow. And to to figure out how to animate the fights between King Kong. Oh. And, yeah. He did his research. (coughs) Dang. That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Which makes a lot of sense, because when you're watching it, they do kind of look like a wrestling match. It does kind of. Yeah. I mean, he even gives them the people's elbow. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) The models were 18-inch high metal skeletons with ball and socket joints. He also attached a rubber bladder that gave the illusion that his model was breathing when he pumped air into it. Wow. Fancy. That's a cool addition. Yeah. Wouldn't think to do that. And it's a relatively simple idea, right? He just kind of has a pump in his hand, and he's squeezing it, and it makes it look like his animation is actually breathing. That's great. That's so cool. So inventive. Yeah, it's super cool. Yeah, it's just a small little detail that you wouldn't really think to do, but when you do it, it adds so much more life. Just that simple Mm. thing. The metal bones were covered in foam rubber and cotton, and then covered in rabbit skin. Oh. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Only a couple scenes featured a large King Kong bust or foot. The rest were miniatures. For years, the studio kept the secret behind how the creatures were made. Even as late as 20 years later, people still believed that King Kong was a man in a gorilla suit. Oh, wow. got him. Damn. Yeah. Yep. Isn't That's that crazy? Great. That is crazy. Animating That's something wonderful. so smoothly, right? That people think it's just a person yeah. walking around. That's incredible. The, the original King Kong is an amazing piece of film, like even today. The smooth movements of his models and the seamless integration of special and visual effects with live-action actors places King Kong at the very top in terms of early stop-motion film. Some believe it is still the greatest use of stop-motion in film history. Whoa, that's some big talk. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, looking at the advances we've made since then. Yeah. yeah. But I don't think anything's ever going to shock the world the way... In terms of stop motion, the the way that this did. That's true. Because of this, O'Brien is considered to be the father of modern stop motion. For the rest of his career, he continued to innovate new stop motion techniques. That's awesome. Yeah. So cool. You know, thinking about it, just to take a step back for a second, thinking about it, you know, it may not shock people as much anymore because with the computer animation that they do now, you're still getting some of that 3D kind of feeling mm-hmm. that stop motion would give you. Right. And everyone's kind of so used to 3D now 
that maybe some people looking at stop motion, if stop if the stop motion is done so well, they might just think, well, that's just computer animated, right? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. If we talk about some of the the new stuff, like like Kubo or uh, um, what's the newer one that came out, Missing, Missing Link. Link? Yeah, that stuff is just incredible. You know, and somebody who didn't know that it was stop motion might not yeah. assume it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. O'Brien's work inspired many upcoming filmmakers, including Ray Harryhausen, an animator who would become synonymous with movie magic. He created all kinds of creatures from aliens to mythic beasts to the skeleton army and Jason and the Argonauts. I just thought it was important to mention Jason mm-hmm. and the Argonauts just yeah. for a second. Yeah. This is a, this is a while after King Kong. This is the 1960s. It's almost it's about 30 years later. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's <laughs> a very famous scene with the skeleton army. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, it's so cool. Yeah, it is. It's very neat. It's kind of been, there's been lots of homages to it. It's been mm-hmm. kind of recreated in different films. I think there's a scene in Spy Kids 2 oh, where wow. they kind of refer to it. And oh, yeah. obviously, much later, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. <laughs> yes, unfortunately. The just that wonderful bit with the skeletons. Yes. Oh, yeah. just love it. Oh. Uh, uh, <laughs> love it. Yeah. Yeah. His creatures were referred to as dynamation, which meant that they were so well articulated, it was easy to insert them into live action film. He added personality to his creatures that made them feel real, much like how the world fell in love with King Kong because of his realistic character movements. That's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Dynamation so he, would make a good name for a studio, too. Yeah, it would. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Damn, yeah. So let's step back again to the early 1900s, and we're going to talk about a very specific type of stop motion but one that you probably hear about all the time. For example, in that episode of Parks and Rec I talk about, Ben Wyatt refers to his project as claymation, right? Mm -hmm. Claymation, sometimes people say claymation when they're just generally referring to stop motion, and it's not exactly right, but it's fine. At least, you know, every, every claymation is stop motion, but not every stop motion is claymation. So it's... Exactly. When you say that, it's, you're in the ballpark. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when we talk about stop motion, we often hear the term claymation. This term is usually the generic word for clay animation, although it was actually coined and trademarked by, Will, by animator Will Vinton and was meant to describe his particular style and techniques. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So when you say claymation with capital C, you're talking about Will Vinton and his art. And if you talk about it with lowercase c, it's just animation with clay. Oh, Oh. interesting. Yep. It really only matters when you're writing about it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Though he did lose that trademark later on. Oh, okay. I was going to say you can't speak in capital or lowercase. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't it be cool if we could, though? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, how would it be different, I wonder? English would be even more complicated and hard to understand. (laughs) I know. But it's so easy already. All I picture is you just say something and then like a little letter floats (laughs) above your head that's just a white letter. Yeah, it'd be so weird. capital or lowercase. (laughs) 
Animating with clay became a popular choice because it's easy to change facial expressions. There are a lot of issues, though, like dirt and fingerprints. Oh, boy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Clay animation first started in the early 1900s after the invention of plasticine, a clay-like material. The oldest surviving use of clay animation is believed to be The Sculptor's Nightmare, a short that was meant to spoof the 1908 presidential election. <laughs> oh, wow. Really? <laughs> yes. And That's in this, pretty great. A sculptor has a nightmare where these sculptures are coming to life. These clay sculptures are coming to life and mm-hmm. tormenting them. Yeah, so that... You know, that's, that's where the, the claymation kind of comes into play. Although claymation, lowercase, has been, had been used in a lot of stop-motion animation, it became more popular in the 1950s with Art Cloakie's The Gumby Show. Hooray! Yay, Yay Gumby! Gumby! Love Gumby. <laughs> Gumby had a more cartoonish style of claymation. Instead of complex creations, which meant to imitate hideous monsters or real creatures, this was the stop-motion version of a silly Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. It's so, so th- wonderful. Yeah. When you think of, kind of, you know, those crazy cartoons of the t- 1920s versus Gertie the Dinosaur, right? Mm-hmm. And how Gertie was so refined, and then those other ones had were more bouncy and crazy and kind of random. Yeah. And, you know, Gumby had a storyline at least, but it was that was more zany mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. some of the other stuff that was coming out. Animator Will Vinton, we just talked about him, mm-hmm. popularized claymation even more with more sophisticated techniques. Some of his most famous creations would be the singing California raisins. Oh, uh, yes, the singing California. <laughs> wow, you know. My past boss, he actually does not eat raisins because of these raisins. <laughs> he actually was afraid of them as a kid. Wow. And so he still to this day will not eat raisins partially because of that. Oh, my gosh. I can't say I blame him. <laughs> they are a little, yeah. a little creepy. They're a little yeah, weird. Guess, yeah. So he used the stop motion, the claymation for these commercials and he actually came up with a lot of great commercial campaigns that we've seen on tv because of this stuff yeah he there was a domino's pizza campaign with this with this creature that would that would thwart deliveries i think the noid right the noid yes that's what it was called yes (laughs) and he you know he helped come up with all of that stuff there was gosh he also i think i also read that he helped in part come up with the personalities for the M&Ms when he, you know, first started to, you know, claymate oh, so the, anima- cool. the M&Ms that now we all know them for their personalities, yeah. right? we got the big wow. yellow one that's kind of dopey. And He's the, the yeah. Patrick yeah. star of the M&Ms. Right. <laughs> yeah. And a little, you know, circular red one has got a little more of an attitude. And yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's mm-hmm. that's amazing. They, they seem to be so fitting as stop motion characters. Yeah. And it's and it also kind of bridges that gap, right? Because when we were kids, yeah, there were commer- these were commercial characters, but we mm-hmm. kind of knew them as cartoon characters. We, yeah. we were familiar yeah. with them as if they were shows, but they were just commercials that we saw. In yeah, TV. yeah, I, I, and I think a lot of those characters. I know the Noid specifically had like a lot of other stuff about it. I think there was even like a video game made for it, and 
things yeah. like that. So wow. it you know goes just beyond the the commercial. So yeah, you would just think, oh, that's just a cartoon character who happens to be marketing pizza. <laughs> right. <laughs> Even as late as the 1970s, it was still fairly rare for there to be completely stop-motion animated films. Most often, it was an animation technique used as a special effect. Will Vinton's work in Claymation helped change that. Vinton won an Oscar for a short film called Closed Mondays in 1974. He later would create more short films, such as Rip Van Winkle, before creating The Adventures of Mark Twain. The Adventures of Mark Twain is an adventure through the tortured mind of Mark Twain in the full in the form of a full-length claymation film. Oh wow. boy. When I was a kid, I walked up to my mom <laughs> and I said, "Mom, what's the worst movie you've ever seen?" Oh no. <laughs> and my mom said, <laughs> without any hesitation, <laughs> "Mark Twain and Claymation." Oh, my gosh. And I never forgot it because I thought, what the hell is that? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And in the mid-1980s, my sister begged my mom to take her to go see this movie. And this movie just wasn't my mom's cup of tea. I'm sure it's a good movie. But, yeah, it's dark. It's creepy. And it's definitely perfect for stop motion. But it is... A ride, for sure. And I've never forgotten that. So just so everyone knows, that's probably the worst movie my mom ever saw in theaters. (laughs) We'll just call it the worst movie ever made. Because, (laughs) I mean. (laughs) But it was actually fairly successful. Critics did like Ah. it. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Vinton's successful commercial campaigns and films popularized claymation in the 70s and 80s. And the demand for the aesthetic increased. In the early 2000s, Vinton was pushed out of his studio, which was renamed Leica. But of course, that's a story for a different episode. What? Oh, man. Yep. That is great news to me (laughs) because it just, oh, that's fantastic to know that all of this is connected (laughs) to some of the great... (laughs) <laughs> ridiculous ad campaigns yeah oh. it really it ha- it is all connected it's so strange it, and you know we have really been building to animation and all of this all year without even really realizing it we yeah. talked about it in yeah. our special effects episode very early in january we did our mm-hmm. dinosaur episode you know we, we've been really building toward all of this yeah we've isn't been it mentioning weird a lot of the same names and- mm-hmm. yeah we've been talking about a lot of this stuff so it's like I'm we're just- pretty good at this or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah woohoo yeah so stop motion in the late 20th century, right? So up to this point, we're in the 70s. We're heading into the 80s. We've got Mark Twain. So although it's still not as popular as other types of animation, stop motion has earned its place in popular culture, and more studios are creating films with the technique. Ardman Animation struck gold in 1989 when they brought a British inventor and his lovable dog to life in a grand day out. Yeah, and this delightful adventure, Wallace and Gromit, take a trip to the moon to fill up on cheese. Oh, is it, 
is I didn't know that was the first one. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. I I have seen plenty of Wallace and Gromit stuff. I'm sure you guys have too. But the that one has always been like my favorite one, kind of. It's such a classic. Aww. I love it so much. I had no idea it was the first one. Yeah. Ever since, these characters have been a staple at Ardman. Ardman's created lots of fun little stop motion oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. things. Chicken Run is one of them. I love Chicken Run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, <laughs> it's just so uniquely styled. It is. It is. And I was just going to say the music in Chicken Run is so quirky and weird, too. Mm-hmm. I, I really like that stuff. In 1993, Tim Burton produced and Henry Selleck directed an animation feature that has received cult status over time. The Nightmare Before Christmas is the perfect use of the creepy capabilities of the medium, mixed with the unique character design and quirky movements. Goodness me. Yeah, we could do an episode just about that movie. We really could. I mean, we probably will, let's be honest. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. we probably will. And we definitely... We... We definitely couldn't have made it through this episode without at least mentioning it. Oh, and we have you have to talk about it if you're going to talk about stop motion. Right. But I, I was thinking about this, and do you guys think, you know, since it's become a cult classic now and everyone kind of loves it and it's kind of come back around, you know, it has a new life to it, mm-hmm. do you think it would have been more or less successful if it came out now? That's a good... That's a good question. Maybe you'd be more successful. Yeah. Part of part of me wants to think that it would be because it would have it would have used newer techniques that are available now. That is true. Mm-hmm. That is true. But I was yeah. going to say, like, I think because not only because Tim Burton's kind of established himself a little bit more now, mm-hmm. people get excited for Tim Burton's next project, right? People would yeah. have been excited to see this, but yeah, with the new technology and kind of seeing these other successful stop motion movies coming out like wow you know imagine if Ardman studio or or even Leica did nightmare before christmas directed by tim burton people would be like oh my gosh that's gonna be amazing right yeah Mm -hmm. i mean it is amazing as is so i'm not knocking on it there but it's like could have been on another level you know henry selick who directed it has done a lot of Leica. uh you know it would be kind of it definitely, yeah. if it came out today, Tim Burton would would have approached Leica for it. They would, yeah. he wouldn't yeah. have done it at Disney. Yeah, like yeah, he did. that's true. Yeah, that's true. That rotten mouse. <laughs> <laughs> and people like the creepy stuff now. Oh like, yeah, I mean, oh, like true. Creepy. It is. Yeah. It had always been clear to anyone who ever attempted it that stop motion is a labor of love. It's an art form that creates an on-screen magic for viewers and creators. There's a special wonder in watching an object come to life. And thanks to stop motion, we get to enjoy that wizardry again and again. Wizardry. Yeah. (laughs) So this was our episode about the history of stop motion. And next week, we're going to talk about a very, what we're talking about, we're going to talk about one particular stop motion studio. We'll just let you, you guess. Can you guess? <laughs> we'll let you guess which one we're going to talk about next week. We we didn't really talk about them this week because we're going to talk about them next week. In case there's somebody you're thinking, why didn't they talk about? Yeah. We're going to talk Insert about them next, next episode week. here. <laughs> <laughs> so get ready. But I do think that's probably going to do about do it. Is there anything else you guys yeah. want to add? Um, I just love stop motion. I'm glad that yeah. it's still around. 
you yeah. know, it's something that is very time consuming. It's hard work. It's yeah. co- not <laughs> super cost effective. Yes. But darn it, I'm glad there are yeah. people out there who are still passionate enough to yes, do it because it's too. amazing. Yes, as we've learned from Ben Wyatt, this does take a yes. lot of time. And you know what? I think it helps them take time on the story too, and yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The stories are really good when when they're animated like yes. this. And you and it's I don't know, there's a little bit of a comfort when you go when you go watch it, knowing that every single frame was painstakingly put yep. together and yep. looked at by a team of people. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, it's, you go and you're like, this better be good. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love throughout the whole thing. <laughs> exactly. And it's yeah. just so cool. It is. It's really neat to yeah. watch it and to think about how how do they do that i i think that every time i yeah. watch them oh it's, yeah it's it's fantastic it's really fascinating and actually yeah. if you look for it in a lot of old movies you'll see it mm-hmm. you know you yeah. you go back and you watch these old movies and you realize how often it was actually used right i love yeah. return to oz the special effects in oh, return yeah. to oz they use oh, they yeah. use a lot of stop motion in that mm-hmm. with the, the yeah. gnome king I yeah, and I I love the stuff in the original Terminator is always yeah. so oh, cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a really cool technique, and there's still some mystery to it. You know, you're watching it, and you're thinking, man, <laughs> how yeah. did that look so good? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, props to you, everyone who animates with mm-hmm. stop motion, and who animates in general. Props to all of you. Honestly, it all takes a lot of patience. Yes. Yeah. I think that's another case closed. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you liked this episode, you can follow us on Twitter if you like, at Black Case Diary, on Instagram, at Black Case Diaries Podcast. We have a website, blackcasediaries.com. You can find our latest episode and every episode that we've ever done there. Mm -hmm. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash blackcasediaries. And we have a Redbubble blackcasediaries.redbubble.com or I'm sorry blackcasediary.redbubble.com Yes, you got it. Yeah. So yes. it's like the it's like our Twitter. Yeah. 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 So yeah, if we got some cool merch on there, yeah, some stuff do. we designed, yeah. just want to check that out, you totally can. Yeah, and and I want to s- say real quick just to bring it back to the Patreon, if you guys can't get enough of the Black Case Diaries, there are some exclusive episodes up there if you want to check them out. Yeah. yeah. So, thank you so much for listening. Yes. And goodbye. We'll see Bye. you later. <laughs>